The pre-med path can be super confusing. If you'd love some help on your path or on your applications, use the promo code PMY for pre-med years, PMY over at medicalschoolhq.net and get some help from some of our experts, former directors of admissions, admissions officers, other experts. We have a small team ready to help you today. Again, that's promo code PMY to get a discount on our services at medicalschoolhq.net. The pre year, session number 465. Hello, and welcome to The pre Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to the pre-med years. Thank you so much for joining me today. Another great Q&A from Instagram last week. I'm loving Instagram lives these days because I'm not just reading and answering questions. I'm actually bringing students on and we're interacting and having great discussions. It's one of the reasons I love doing Ask Dr. Gray pre-med Q&A because I get to have a live 20-minute or so session with a student uh, just helping them on their journey to medical school. And that's what we're doing on Instagram. If you want to be a guest on Ask Dr. Gray, on application renovation, on mission accepted, if you get to that point, which hopefully you will soon, uh, then go to medicalschoolhq.net slash apply. That's medicalschoolhq.net slash apply. And we set up a page there where you can just kind of click on which thing you want to be a guest on and we'll we'll get you on and uh, hopefully and we'll we'll share your story with the world to help more people. That's been my mission here from day one is to help kind of demystify everything to help kind of democratize this whole process so that everyone gets this information for free. We believe that the information to get into medical school should be free and that's why we continue to create podcasts and videos and everything else to give you that information. And yeah, pretty packaged book will cost a couple dollars. Uh, but other than that, it's almost all free out there for you uh, from us. So medicalschoolhq.net slash free. Let's go and jump into our IG live. What's going on Instagram live? It is Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern. That means it's Q&A day. It's Q&A day. Hello, hello. I'm excited for Q&A day. Hello, Yvonne, genealogy, bridge in the fridge. What's up? What's up? What's up? I'm excited. It's a good day. We're going to have some fun. We're going to maybe give away some stuff. We're going to we're going to hang out. We're just going to we're just going to be. Uh, as always, if you are new here, uh, what we do today is uh, just answer questions, hang out, and and really just help you understand and, and get a better sense of your journey. Uh, I would appreciate if you click that little camera button and come on live with me. That makes it much more fun for everyone involved. Um, and if you can't do that, you can ask some questions, but uh, I will most likely bring on all of the people requesting to come on live versus just reading questions and answering questions. So that's how we play today. 
<sighs> Can I give my best interview tip? Be yourself. Be yourself. It's a conversation. It, treat it like a conversation. Treat it like you're just meeting a friend for a coffee at the coffee shop. That's all you got to do. Uh, too many people overthink the medical school interview. Um, all right, let's see if we can get some people on. LG, what's going on? Leon. Nick, hello. Marcio, hello. All right, looks like we can't bring on Marvin's. Let's bring on Zaid. See if we can bring on Zaid here. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, if you think your friends want to watch, then oh, uh, uh, you should bring them on too. What's up? Uh, just one second. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. So I had a question about um, taking the MCAT twice. And I did take the MCAT twice, and I got okay. a problem with two twice. Okay. Um, I applied to a school, uh, University of Kentucky, and they're sitting at a 506 average. 506 average or 506 median? Average, I believe. Median? I'm not sure, honestly. <laughs> Where are you getting a 506 from? MSAR? No, they're um, admissions. Like the from UK. their website. Okay, so very likely could be average. Okay. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, but, you know, I did my interview. It went good. Um, okay, I'm supposed to so hear you back interviewed. Mm-hmm. That's a good sign. Supposed to hear back. Yeah. <laughs> supposed to hear back this week. Uh, okay. I'm also like a Kentucky resident. My GPA is higher than their average. Um, so what do you think I should expect? Uh, I expect that uh, they like you well enough to interview you, and the rest is, is really up to them. Unfortunately, there's... Oh, Zade's gone. <laughs> Zade's like, screw you, I'm out. <laughs> um, uh, I'll, I'll finish the answer. Um, the uh, Unfortunately, there's, there's no formula. There's no equation to tell people, here's what's going to happen, right? Because you have a 502, because it's four points lower than the average, because, 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 whatever, there's, there's no easy way to tell you what's going to happen. The MCAT is one variable. Your GPA is one variable. Your extracurriculars are another variable. Your letters of recommendation are another variable. Your interview is another variable. So many variables. So you got an interview. Now you just wait. That's all there is to it. Um, All right. Uh, If you want to come on live and uh, not to bounce like Zaid did, then, uh, then come on and click that little camera button. We'll get you on here as well. It's the best place to uh, to really interact. Um, hello, Saba says, do you offer any help or advice for residency applications and doing well in medical school? I do not currently. Uh, I have done some uh, residency um, personal statement editing, stuff like that. It's It's all the same, right? At the end of the day, whether you're applying to medical school, post-bac, dental school, PA school, residency, at the end of the day, all of it is learning how to tell your story. So um, it's it's definitely something we could do. It's just not something we focus on uh, right now. All right, all right, all right. Let's get uh, some more people live because that's where the magic happens. Hello, hello. Hey. How are you? 
I'm good. I'm Neable. Um, I had a question about post back. So um, somebody had told me that I have to do my post back at my undergrad institution just so that it can um, match up. Is that accurate? Not at all. Not at all. And actually, uh, Dr. Scott Wright, who's my uh, VP of Academic Advising at MAPT, uh, mm-hmm. actually typically says the opposite is you should go somewhere else um, so that you're not just taking the same classes and you can show that you can do well outside of retaking classes. So uh, okay. there's there's no rules. At the end of the day, there are no rules when it comes to where you do your post back and what classes to take. At the mm-hmm. end of the day, the goal of doing a post back, assuming you're not doing it as a career changer, Assuming you're doing it because you need to improve your grades, the goal is to show that you are academically capable of doing well in medical school. And that means getting as close to a 4.0 as possible for as long as possible. Okay. All right. That's all that I needed to That's know. It. But like um, some of the post back programs kind of required like the MCAT to be done. Yeah. I despise that absolutely despise it. Um, What they are typically doing is they are weeding people out to say the MCAT, right? They, they understand that the MCAT is a big variable. It's just one variable, but it is a big variable when it comes to applying to medical school. And they're using it to weed out people who they don't think are going to be able to do well on the other side when it comes to taking the MCAT. And so they weed you out to begin with and say, your MCAT score is not good enough to come to our program. And we want students who we know are going to do well so that we can then market and say, 96% of our students get into medical school. I'm like, well, no crap. That's because you weeded them out to begin with. So I, I absolutely despise it. And there are plenty of programs out there that don't require an MCAT. So I would look at those. All right. Okay, thank the, you. The whole, in, in my mind, the whole goal of going to a postback program, especially if you're needing to improve your grades, is to build better and more robust study habits, to understand the material better, build a bigger foundation of that material so that you can do well on the MCAT. So take take it for what it's worth. That that's my opinion. <laughs> okay, thank you. How do I get out of like the video? Oh, I'll kick you out here. Okay, thank you. Bye. All Bye. right, say piece of cake. Kick you out. Um, all right, let's get some more people on uh, again. If you want to come on live with me, um, click that little camera button uh, with a little plus sign in it, and come on. Hello, hello. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? Good. Thank you. So I just, I took my MCAT three times Okay. and 505, the last one, I applied to university medical, Nebraska, university of Nebraska medical center. Okay. I had an interview, um, this next week. Great. I'm kind of wondering, my MCAT is like 10 points below their average. It's like a 515. Yeah. So their median, very likely their median, not their average. Yeah. Do you have any advice like in the interview, like how I can like, I don't want to mention that my MCAT is lower than what there is. Surprise, like. surprise. <laughs> they already know. Yeah. So <laughs> it's not like I, they invited you for an interview, not knowing that your MCAT score is a 505. That's true. 
Right. So, like, so, so, so the question that you're asking, the fear that you have in your mind is I'm not good enough. What the heck am I doing here? Yeah, that's, that's what you're telling yourself. Oh, my gosh, I got an interview. My MCAT is 10 points below their median. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a fraud. This is this is a mistake. They <sighs> invited you for a reason. And okay. this is why I hate I despise the MSAR. And I despise looking at stats when it comes to applying to medical schools because the MSAR only tells you the students from what that school accepted, right? It shows you the median, shows you 25th, 75th, shows you 10th and 90th percentiles, right? Right. And when students use the MSAR to pick schools and to, to figure out where they want to go, they look at the MSAR and they self-select into schools with stats that match theirs. Now, unfortunately, or fortunately, let's let's look at this, right? Hold on one second. So if we look at MCAT percentiles and we look at the newest percentile from the AAMC and we look at, we look at the median, G, uh, median MCAT score for a lot of medical schools in the MSAR. It's like 513, 514, 515, 518 at some schools, right? Yeah. That's 85th percentile plus. 85th percentile. <laughs> there, there are many more students getting into medical school way below the 85th percentile. So when you look at when you look at the MSAR, when you look at median MCAT score and you try to compare it to yourself and go, I'm I only have a shot at this school if I'm within that median or if I'm within the, the 25th or if I'm within the 10th percentile, you are doing yourself a disjustice because okay. the MCAT is just one part of the application. They invited you for an interview because they liked your application. Okay. Including your MCAT score. To them, your MCAT score is good enough. Now, post-interview, when the admission committee gets together and they talk about you and, and try to figure out if they want to invite you for an interview, it may be an issue. They, they may love everything else about your application and they at the end of the day, they just go, you know what, that 505 is just not good enough compared to all of the other applicants we have. But that's yeah. that's their problem, not your problem. You don't have to mention it. You don't have to. You don't have to justify it. If they ask you about it, sure, talk about it. Where do you think okay. you went wrong? Were you scoring five ten, five twelve, five fifteen on practice tests, and you just had a bad day? Right. It's your third time taking it, so that's probably not it. Right. <laughs> so don't worry about it. Is is the okay. final answer? You have an interview prepare the best for your interview and don't worry about having an MCAT score 10 points lower than their median. Yeah. I'm reading your book for the interview and your ethical questions kind of scare me, but I'm looking <laughs> like the one, like um, if like you were the, if you gave a medication to a son and like, I'm the father, what do you say to me? And they accidentally died. I was like, I don't even know how to answer that kind of question. Like, No, you do. You do. And here's the problem. Right. When you say you don't know how to answer that question, what you're thinking most likely is 
what am I supposed to say? What would a doctor yeah. say? Right? What what yeah. am I legally allowed to say? Blah, 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 blah. That's yeah. the mindset that students go into interviews with. And it's the wrong mindset. You are not expected. Surprise, you're just a pre-med student. You're not expected to know what a doctor is supposed to do in that situation. At yeah. the end of the day, the medical school interview is a communication test. How well c- can you portray empathy and, and say, you know what, dad? I, I, I'm sorry to tell you, blah, 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 right? And it's just like, what would you say to a friend who like you you got in a, uh, you wrecked their car, right? They let you borrow their car and you wrecked it. And you call mm-hmm. them up and say, Sally, I, I'm sorry to say, right? What would you say in that situation? You didn't go to class to learn what to say. You're a human being with emotions and you just talk, right? Okay. Hopefully you're not a psychopath. <laughs> hopefully you just, yeah. you just talk and that is how you master the medical school interview is shocker you just be yourself what would i do in this situation if it's not a dad a, a patient's dad in front of me and it's just a friend and i i just dinged up their car okay that's all okay thank you you're welcome <laughs> good stuff i love talking about this stuff and dispelling myths and trying to figure out and help you guys understand that you guys are complicating the heck out of everything just be yourself just be yourself at the end of the day that's all you need to do all right let's see if we can bring uh marvin's back on he was mad or she was mad that uh they couldn't request to come on again, but uh, it just doesn't look like it's working for them. So we're going to move on. Bring on Jared. Hello, hello. Let's bring on Jared. Come on down. What's up? Nothing much, man. How are you? I am doing well. What's going on? What can I help you with? So I'm curious about um, volunteer hours. Yeah. Um, so... I cranked out about 600 um, this past summer, okay. and I don't plan on applying for another probably two to three years. Yep. Um, would it seem like a bad thing if I uh, just stick with those five or 600 and that's it? Or sh- would it? I, you I tell know me. It probably look better. <laughs> but you, you tell um, me. What does it look like if, if you did that? And Um, and when you say volunteer hours, are you talking about clinical hours or like Habitat for Humanity type volunteering? No, this is – so I'm an EMT. So I I have about like 3,000 clinical hours to this point. Okay. Um, But this is primarily just to – just uh, like community service hours, I guess I should call it. So non-clinical volunteering. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So that's great. It's one of the – lesser important things when it comes to an application. So I don't think um, I, I don't think schools will have a huge issue if you do that. It potentially will look like you're checking a box. But again, it's it's one activity in a sea of all of your activities. So if you're an EMT, if you continue to do that, great. You are showing consistency in your activities, just not in one. So I worry less about it being non-clinical or I worry less because it is non-clinical. I would worry more if it was 600 of clinical 
and that's it and there's no consistency because then what you're doing is you're applying to medical school saying, hey, I really want to be a doctor. I love being around patients. I haven't been around patients in two years. Yeah, right? that's okay. that's the bigger issue in my mind. So okay. now, if you can go and volunteer once a month, once every couple of months at the soup kitchen, whatever, great. Keep doing that. But if not, that's okay too. Okay. Now, clinical volunteer hours, is that important? <laughs> no, no. So, okay. so it's, it's always this like big confusion and, and just semantics a lot of time is students will say, I have volunteer hours, but volunteer could be non-clinical or clinical. And that's just the language of the application service, right? AMCAS, which is the the biggest application out there, they break it down into volunteer clinical, volunteer non-clinical, paid clinical, paid non-clinical. You are not given bonus points because your clinical is volunteer versus paid. So if you have paid EMT experience, great. You don't need volunteer clinical experience on top of that. Gotcha. All right. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Have a great day. You too. All right. All right. All right. As my good friend, what's his name? (laughs) I can't think of his name. Uh, Oh man, I have his book. I'm like, I I started his book and then I just, I kind of got bored um, after a while. Um, What the heck's his name? Help me out folks. All right. All right. All right. Who is Hi. that? Who is that? I can't think of his name. McConaughey. <laughs> uh, Matthew McConaughey. There we go. Kevin Hart. Come on. Jeez, that's not right. Matthew McConaughey. All right. What's going on? Hi. I'm trying to fight the rain and go in the class, but I do have a question for you. Yeah. Um, I am interviewing. Okay. So let, me, let me back up. I'm weird. I only applied one school. We're all weird. I'm like. I'm like enamored with the school, I guess. I wanted to do early decision, but my application was verified one day after the early decision cutoff. So I'm so like dedicated to the school that I would, if I didn't get in this cycle, would like take a gap year and reapply because I want to go so bad. Um, I guess I can. T- it's it's IU. I'm I live in Indiana, so and okay. I'm in a city with a regional campus that I've had close ties with. Okay. And I have an interview in a few weeks there. And I don't know Great. if it's um, a bad idea. Like, should I bring that up that I only applied there and then I'm so committed to the school? Or is that a bad look? So my general advice for, for these types of questions, whether it's this t- sort of thing or, or anything else, is let the interviewer lead. Right? It's okay. a dance. They lead. You follow. So I typically don't like just jamming in my agenda into an interview going, I just want to let you know you're the only school I apply to, blah, 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 right? They very likely will ask you, why do you want to come to Indiana? And you can say, I'm from here, blah, blah, blah. It's actually the only school I apply to. And it fits well within the conversation, right? So I think if it's natural, if if it comes up naturally in that way, go for it. I don't think it's hurting you at all to say like, I only want you, right? Um, they're, they're not gonna think you're some crazy stalker. A lot of people do that, <laughs> right? A, a okay. lot of people have their reasons for why they're very limited and where they want to apply to medical school. So I don't think it'll hurt you to mention that at the end of the day. 
Okay. Thank you. That's all I had. Awesome. Safe driving in the rain. <laughs> all right. I love bringing you all on for questions. Um, all right. Let's bring on Miss Naya. Let's see. Hello, hello. Hello. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? I am great. Oh, I lost you for a second. Me. Oh, okay. Sorry. Can you hear me? I can now. Okay. Sorry. Hi. How are you? I am great. Um, so I just, I guess I just kind of had, uh, the guy previous to me, he kind of asked, um, kind of the same question I had, um, about volunteer hours. Um, I, I basically, so I'm a super non-traditional student, I guess. And, um, I'm also a mom. I work as a CNA right now. Um, and I'm in school. And I don't have that many hours, I guess, to really dedicate to a bunch of volunteer hours. So I guess my question is, would that be frowned up upon when I do get ready to apply? Yeah. What's the alternative? Um, try to squeeze, like, I don't know, try to squeeze something in somewhere. <laughs> There's only 24 hours in a day for you, me, and everyone else. Yes, sir. Yes, All right. sir. Yes, sir. Uh, unless you're like traveling at the speed of light and then time expansion and all that fun stuff. But that's, that's, that's some Einstein okay. stuff right there. Um, okay. At the end of the day, you need to focus on what you need to focus on to do the best that you can do. Okay. Always thinking about grades and MCAT score above everything else because those are the two easiest things to prove that you're not ready for medical school. Okay. Right? So you need good grades. You need a decent MCAT score to prove to medical schools that you are academically capable of doing well in medical school and in passing the boards the first time you take them. Okay. Right? On top of that, you need some clinical experience because you need to prove to yourself that you like being around patients a lot. You okay. need to do some shadowing so you can prove to yourself that you understand what the life of a doctor looks like okay if you have some extra time great <laughs> go go solve world hunger um, okay but if you don't that's okay there All are right. some schools where they really really value non-clinical volunteering and if you don't do it you might not have a chance at that school but that's okay there's okay. 199 other schools out there okay and then i just have one last question so yeah. um during I, this whole COVID thing, I know it was rough for everybody. My yeah. my grades just like went extremely <laughs> low. My suck <laughs> like ridiculously low. My son was home a lot. I was okay. like a pre K teacher, and <laughs> it was really bad. Kids are um, miserable, aren't they? I I had two little ones home, and it's just like I I ain't got time for you, kid. I want to go on Instagram. <laughs> So I'm just like wondering how do I kind of step in front of that? Not not trying to like avoid it, but like be honest about it because like there was something going on and 
Yeah, you know what? They they obviously know this stuff was going on. And so it it just depends on the types of questions that are asked, typically in a secondary application. Um, You may want to think about writing a disadvantaged essay. Um, So disadvantaged essay is very open to interpretation on how do you want to classify yourself as disadvantaged if if you're a mom, a single mom, whatever it is, you got a kid at home and, and your time to commit to school is going to be different than a quote unquote typical pre-med student, yeah. then maybe you want to consider yourself disadvantaged and that may be a good spot to mention just COVID and, and being a, a pre-K teacher or whatever teacher <laughs> and also a student and also whatever, right? There, okay. there, there are lots of things to think about there. Um, but if you don't want to mark yourself disadvantaged, that there are usually lots of secondary essay prompts that will give you an opportunity to talk about those things. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. How much the the bigger question is, um, when are you applying to medical school? So it looks like um I, I was I originally started at a um, community college okay. and then I said this is my first semester at an actual like university. Okay. So I guess I'm I'm considered a junior, but I think for me, I would have to do it maybe the end like in a year and a half or something like that. Okay. Only because okay. I don't think I'll be able to. Stand I, I I like that answer uh, okay. because it gives you a longer track record post yeah. bad grades in COVID. To right. show that that was a fluke and that you right. are a good student, right? And then I did get your book. <laughs> I got your book, and um, I and I guess like I, I want to. I'm gonna. I'm gonna only take a couple more minutes. You're I fine. only want how you would. Um, I was in the Navy for only four years, and I want to know. What how do you mean I- only four years? <laughs> you were in the Navy for four freaking years. That's more than than. 98% of other people or whatever that's that is. So don't don't only four years me. Okay. Um, I mean, it is the I, Navy. It's not the Air Force. So <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I just want to know how I would, because it was a completely different job than going into this field. Mm-hmm. And I just want to know how I, I want to make, I don't know, how would I incorporate that? I guess it's it's the most common question I get from from vets, uh, military vets and 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 non-traditional career changers in general is how do I make my prior career, whether it's military or not, either stand out on an application or how do I show that it's going to help me be a doctor? Yeah. Okay. And those are two questions that you don't need to worry about. Okay. You need to, in your application, obviously check off that you're you're a veteran and honorably discharged the hope and, and all that yes. stuff. Uh, and then in your activity list, you will put that you were in the Navy and you will put yes. your job and you'll talk about in your description the impact that it had on you. You do not have to tie random stuff into how it's going to help you be a good doctor. Okay. Just being in the military, the far majority of people reviewing your application will understand the commitment that it takes to be in the military, the dedication that it takes to be in the military, the teamwork and and communication skills that it takes to be in the military. And all of those things 
on their own will help you stand out without you writing. Well, being in the military really helped my communication skills, which is going to help (laughs) me as a doctor because communicating with patients is a really important thing. That's how a lot of students write their extracurricular activity descriptions. And, And in my opinion, that is the wrong way to do it because it doesn't show me who you are. It shows me who you think I need you to be. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Makes sense. <laughs> Got it? Yes, sir. Have you checked out Mapped yet? Yes, sir. I have. Are you using it? Um. Yes and no. <laughs> yes okay. and no. Okay. I, I, would would yes. would you like would you like a free year subscription with uh, Mapped Advising and Map Chat in it as well? Yes. So you can chat with one of our advisors right inside of Mapped and ask questions as you go. Yes. All right. <laughs> then shoot <laughs> shoot me a direct message and I'll I'll give you some details on what to do. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> you're welcome. All of that despite of that ugly hat that you're wearing. <laughs> Yankees, get out of here. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, all right. Let's get some more people on. I love you guys. This is so fun. <sighs> Knock them out of the box, Rick. <laughs> I love it. Oh, man, oh, man. Hello, hello. Hi, how are you? Wonderful. How you doing? Oh, good. I didn't think I'd get on here, so now I'm really nervous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I have a couple questions. I am non-traditional. I am okay. 37 okay. and I am a junior, um, for my undergrad. So right now I have, it's about a 3.5 GPA Great. and about a 3.6 for science. Great. Um, so I think I'm doing okay there. Yep. And then upward trends. I was, <laughs> yes. Upward trends. Great. That. Great. Um, I have been trying to make sure because I didn't do great in biology my first semester. So Um, I was a paramedic um, and I also worked as a nursing assistant. And I think I kind of got it answered before where that's okay for clinical experience. Mm -hmm. But do you suggest that I shadow as well? Okay, so a little bit. Yeah, you don't you don't need hundreds and hundreds of hours of shadowing, but but if you can get a a shadowing day every month or two, great. Okay, all right. I went when when I was working as a CNA, I was working in trauma and SICU, and so I kind of stalked the trauma surgeons a little bit on my on my breaks, yeah, um, to get a little bit more experience. Um, But also because I'm a Gemini and I have very very weird <laughs> interests. Um, I was an event designer okay. for, in Chicago and for about eight, nine years. And is that something I just leave off of the application? <laughs> Absolutely not. It's okay. very go, going back to the last student asking the question about how do I make my my prior thing look good on the application or how do I make it uh, stand out in terms of how it's going to prepare me for medical school. You're okay. sitting there thinking event planning has nothing to do with medical school. It has nothing to do with medicine. It has nothing to do with preparing me for a physician. So it's just useless. I'm going to leave it off. Okay. When in reality, what it does is it give, 
gives context to your whole application. Okay. It gives an extra piece of, it sounds like a very big part of your timeline to show yeah. what you were doing, right? You didn't okay. just disappear for eight or nine years. You were an event planner. And okay. in your activity description, again, you don't have to tie it to, this is how it's going to prepare me to be a good doctor. You just talk about the impact that it had. Were you really passionate about it? What did you love the most about it? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, could, you could talk about it in terms of impact, uh, uh, how many people came to your events, like how many businesses were impacted by your events, how much money was raised for the events. And, and those types of numbers, especially from a business world, shows impact. It shows the impact that you as a person can have on on everyone around you and and tells me so much more about you than than the fact that you just were CNA or that you shadowed or whatever else. Okay. So absolutely do not leave it off of your application. Okay. Um, would you suggest that I renew my paramedic? Before I apply, do you think it matters no, at all? That, that kind of stuff doesn't matter. Um, you don't need to put on your application that you have a paramedic certificate or a license, whatever. Um, it's it's what you did with that license okay. that matters. Okay. All right. Do you have any other suggestions? I'm planning on applying or taking the MCAT in March. Um, okay. Did you register yesterday or two days ago? No, I haven't. Okay. Go, go register. <laughs> Make sure you get a seat. Okay. And then do you have any other suggestions? Cause I mean, I'm 37. Yeah. So do you have any other suggestions? My, my dream school, I don't know if it's within reach would be Northwestern or rush. Okay. okay. Um, do you have suggestions for me? I'm just really nervous that people are going to go, you're old. You don't have the time to have this big, great career. And yeah. How dare you want to live your life past your 30s? How dare you? How, how dare you have aspirations past your 30s? You should have figured this shit out already. <laughs> Sorry, I normally don't cuss on here, but. I went to the military and I had kids and now it's my time. Yeah. Um, if, if you are super interested in those schools, reach out to them now uh, as a non-applicant. Reach out and, and just say, hey, I, I'm non-traditional. Um, I, I wouldn't focus on your age so much. You've mentioned it a couple times. You're like, I'm too old, I'm too old, I'm too old is, is the backstory behind mentioning your age a few times. Uh, that's not an issue, right? Okay. That becomes a little bit more of an issue, right? Just realistically speaking, when it comes to applying to residencies. When the residency directors are like, you're not gonna be able to hang for 80 hours, 90 hours a week because you're old. <laughs> um, but lots of, lots of non-traditional students in their 30s, in their 40s, in their 50s, go to medical school and complete residency without a problem. So take that out of your head. And if you are super interested in a couple of those schools, just reach out to them and and try to formulate very specific questions for their school. Like look at all their admissions criteria. If you're missing something, reach out to them and say, like, do you do you allow a substitution of this course instead of this one or this letter of rec instead of this one? So you can really just dive in there. And then, okay. and then really stay on top of, are they doing any sort of, uh, virtual off, um, uh, open houses? Are they doing any sort of, uh, like the virtual things, the, the, the med school fairs that the AAMC and, and a Comus put on. So okay. just, just be there, be there, be there, be there in their face. 
Okay, thank you. I You're really welcome. appreciate. It. You're I'm gonna welcome. go bio midterm, biochemistry <laughs> midterm. So go crush I really it. Thank you. Yeah, have a good one. All right. So you can see that a lot of the questions are founded in fear, right? Fear of being rejected for age, fear of being rejected for a lower MCAT score than what the median or average is, fear of not portraying my activity just right, fear of, of saying the wrong thing in a medical school interview. And I understand, right? I, I've been through this process. <laughs> I understand that there is a lot at stake because you want to be a physician. You need to get into medical school to do that. And there are these people there that are picking apart your life story that you put in your application and, and there's fear that it's not good enough. And I wanna tell you that you don't have to stand out. You don't have to, to try to be better than everyone else. You just have to be yourself. Yourself is good enough. Yes, you have to have good enough grades. You have to have a good enough MCAT score. It doesn't need to be a 515. It doesn't need to be a 4.0. It has to be good enough to give medical schools the confidence that you are going to pass medical school in four years. You're going to pass your board exams first time taking them. That's the most important thing to think about. Good enough there. And then you just have to be a normal human being, right? You just have to be a normal human being who can communicate, who can write essays, uh, and has done their due diligence in exploring healthcare, exploring medicine, putting yourself around patients, putting yourself around physicians. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. All right, let's bring on some more people. Hello, hello. Hi, Dr. Gray. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm actually using the Lifelines account. Um, it's two of us. It's Priscilla. She's a nursing student, and I'm, I'm a career changer post back. I just graduated nursing school. Okay. Um. So, I had a few questions for you. I just started my um, formal post back program. Okay. And I'm kind of confused on the timeline because I finished my post back at the end of April in 2023. Okay. Um, so I'm confused if I want to apply for the cycle that would be coming up, opening up in that May, when yeah. would I take my cat? Yeah. So if you graduate in April of 2023 and you want to ideally start medical school, July, August of 2023, you're applying May and June of 2022, this next coming cycle, which means you're taking the I'm MCAT. The well, it depends, right? It depends. Because theoretically, if you graduate April 23, right, which is what mm -hmm. you said, you mm -hmm. theoretically could start medical school in in July or August of 23. Are you planning oh, on I taking a, a glide year there so you wouldn't start medical school until 2024? Yeah, I wouldn't take... Um, I mean, I wouldn't start medical school until 2024. My program's a two-year program. I, I understand that. There are plenty of people who go into a two-year program like yourself and still apply in the middle of the program, trying to get oh. rid of that extra year. So oh, I, didn't know I don't necessarily recommend that, depending on why why you're doing your postback. 
If you're doing your post back because you were a history major and didn't take any science classes and you had a good GPA in, in undergrad and you're continuing your good GPA in your post back, that may be an option. If you're doing the post back because you were a biology major or chemistry major, or whatever, some sort of science major in college, you you or not, but you were pre-med uh, or on this journey to some sort of pre-health career and you took lots of science courses and you didn't do well and now you're doing a formal post back to show that you can do well, then not applying until 2023 after your post back makes more sense because now you have all of that transcript data that goes into the application as extra evidence that you are smart enough, right? From a yeah. from a GPA perspective, right? right? Great. There's a whole another argument of about grades and whether it's a, a, a mark of intelligence, which I, I think we all can agree it's not. But anyway, um, so it just depends. Why are you doing your post back? Um, because I was an I, I graduated from nursing school, okay. but I only took four classes that did not go towards the prereqs. Okay. And how, and how that, was your GPA in nursing school? It was a three one. Okay. So, so not tremendous. I did bad in those sciences. Yeah, okay. I did really bad in those sciences. Okay. So there, there's potentially your answer. So, so you should apply May, June of 2023. Yeah. Right after you graduate from your post back, which it sounds like that was your plan. You wouldn't start medical school until 2024. Uh, that means that you're taking the MCAT ideally by April of 2023. And so you're going to be finishing your post back and studying for the MCAT and working on all of your application stuff at the same time. Okay. Which is a lot. Yeah, it is. I was just like, I know the big thing you emphasize is like applying early, applying as soon as it opens, applying as soon as it opens. So I guess April would be enough buffer time. So I take in April, get my results in May and see if I like got an optimal score and yeah. that would give me room to take it again if necessary. Yeah, yeah. And remember, you can submit your application without an MCAT score. So if you're feeling too much pressure and you're not going to get it done and you need to push it back until May or June, like that's okay too. Uh, I would still recommend getting in your application um, in June, July-ish um, so that you're you're earlier on there. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And I have one more question. Yeah. In terms of, like, I'm kind of worried because um, when applying to my post-bac program, they calculated my BCPM already for me. Okay. Um, and I have mapped. I haven't been able to plug in everything for map because my school's course catalog just got uploaded. Okay. But in terms of, like, uh, my BCPM, I remember she said it was, like, a 2.9 because okay. of the four classes I took in, in for nursing school. Um if I'm able to show that I did well in this program, would it average out my nursing grades plus the post back? Mm -hmm. And if it or averages out to something that's not that great in terms of like a three, five or three, four or whatever it is, yeah. would I be judged upon the upward trend that I had <laughs> between this program? Yeah. Or would it be, they would be looking at my GPA and I would be filtered out. That's what I'm worried about. It, uh, unfortunately, every school is going to do something different. So they will have all of the data points. They will be able to, if they choose to, if it's part of their process, to see that upward trend. They will be able to see that there's this standalone postback program that you did. 
and choose to evaluate you mostly on that if they want to. There are other schools out there that only look at the last 20 hours, the last 30 hours, the last 60 hours of credits to determine what your GPA is, to determine what your academic capability is. And that's why I've been saying that word a lot more lately, or those two words, academic capability, because a 3.4 with a super strong upward trend shows academic capability. It's not a great GPA, right? It's not super sexy 4.0, but it shows academic capability, right? A a 3.0 with a really strong upward trend shows academic capability. Right. Okay. And at the end of the day, it's it's up to the medical schools and and their admissions process to determine how they're going to pick apart all of the data points. The medical schools, and this is a, a a big kind of point of confusion for a lot of students, is if if you watch any of my videos like application renovation or mission accepted, where I'm looking at a PDF of the application, the medical schools don't get that. The medical schools aren't looking at that PDF to evaluate your application. They're getting, they're downloading all of the data points from the application service into their own software, into their own systems to manipulate and graph and chart and do whatever they want with all of the data. That PDF that you look at is just for you. Oh, okay. All right, this is making sense. So when I'm doing like the information sessions and things, because my program brings... Uh, medical schools and to speak with us is that Great. one of the questions I should ask? Yeah, about, you can. Like, would they disclose that? Okay. Yeah, you can. How do how do you look at upward trends? Do you do you do any uh, special calculations on last X number of credit hours to to determine a, a GPA? All right, that was so helpful, Doctor Gray. I love all your videos. I love your advice, and I'm going to surely be using that. So awesome, thank awesome. You, so much. you are welcome. Have a great day. Thanks, you too. Bye. Bye. All right, all right, all right. Some wonderful conversations this morning. Thank you all for being here, hanging out. <sighs> we can go for another 20 minutes or so, <laughs> if my voice can hold out. Hello, good morning. Hello, oh, good, good morning. Hi, Dr. Gray. Um, so, um, first of all, I'm actually a little bit, little bit nervous. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to be that quick. But um, anyway, um, so I'm actually um, FSU graduate. I graduated this past May uh, with my master's in biomedical engineering. Okay. And yeah. I did undergrad as a chemical engineer. And um, so, basically, I'm coming in here because um, I am a little bit untraditional. And um, my family, like, I have... My dad is a doctor. My stepmom is also a doctor. My mom is a nurse. So I come from a family of like healthcare providers. Yeah. Um, so I'm, and throughout this process, I started studying last year and I feel like I've been on my own pretty much for it because like they didn't practice here. Like they, um, my dad went to a study in Cuba. So I'm originally from Cuba. My stepmom is from Nigeria. So, you know, they all have like a different background of how they came to America and did the whole process again. So like they don't really, they're not familiar with um, mm-hmm. how this system works, yep. you know, in terms of MCAT. So anyway, fast forward, I I graduated my um, my undergrad with a 3.39, was in chemical engineer. And then my biomedical engineering degree um, master's was like a 3.8 or something like that. And um, I just- What, what was uh, the master's GPA? I about, I think it's a 3.8. 3.8, like, okay. It's, yeah. Okay. Um. 
And then um, I just got my MCAS score back. Yeah, um, the focus I took in 9-11 and um, I got a 502 on it, which is Great. not amazing. It's not bad, but it's just, and you know, it's just okay. It's just what I got on my test at home. Yep. Um, so, you know, now I got my stepmom kind of telling me, hey, like you should apply right now for medical school. And I'm completely against it because, you know, I watch your videos. You always say apply early. You have patients applying early. Everywhere it says apply early, especially since I don't have like amazing stats. Um, and, you know, I kind of have that internal conflict because I like, want to tell them, you know, they are a doctor. So they, they, I guess they know what they're saying, but I'm like, but I know everyone else says not to. And, you know, I don't think it's in my best interest. Um, so I guess this, what, what do you think I should do? Um, well, what, what are the options? So basically, I'm also the another feedback I'm working right now for Bassins Western. Um, I don't know if you'd be a clinical accountant specialist. So my options are either retake the MCAT, mm-hmm. get a try to get like a higher score. If mm-hmm. My chance is better. That's what I that's what I want to do, and um, and then applying young. That's what that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, okay. So <laughs> so so why not do that? I guess because I have mom and dad in the back, kind of like <laughs> you should apply now, and I'm like, no, well, that's too late. Is, is your are, are your applications in? No. Do you have, do have, you have to, your personal statement written? No, I will yeah, literally then, have to do Then everything. you 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 literally cannot. I mean, you technically could, but yeah. literally. That's like, what I was saying. I'm like, you're okay. Like you can do that all in a weekend. But I'm like, it will take months to do no. this. Like, there's no way. You cannot. Years. You cannot say yeah. I love you, mom and dad. You you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I was like, I just need to hear from somebody that knows what they're talking about. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I, I was kind of, you know, telling myself, okay, listen to, you know, hire uh, people that know what they're talking and you know, you you know, because <laughs> this is what you do. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then another question I had was I'm kind of like also conflicted, like, you know, applying for deals and like um Caribbean schools and stuff like that based on my stats. Like, do yeah. you think like that's something I like, should I just stay away from MD schools if my stat, like if I don't get a greater MCAT score? No. And just, no? Okay. No, you, you should not stay away from MD schools. I think, okay. I think you apply, you go get a better MCAT score if you can, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. figure out what went wrong this first time uh, and and improve on that score. Uh, mm-hmm. You did super well in your master's uh, your undergraduate GPA, not super stellar, um, mm-hmm. but your master's is great. Go get a better MCAT score and, and apply to the schools that you want to apply to. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank- All right. So many parents um, like chirping in your ear, like you should apply. You should apply. Oh, you're good enough. Oh, I love you, honey. Um, and it's just like, <laughs> love you, mom and dad. You don't know what you're talking about. Um, and so send them my way. We just did a a workshop for parents of pre-meds last week and it was uh it was a good turnout. So we're we're out there trying to trying to help you, uh, trying to get your parents off of your back. So hopefully we can continue to uh to help with that. All right, so let's get some more people on. <sighs> Good turnout this morning. Thanks everyone for coming and hanging out. All right. I'll bring on someone else. 
go down the list. Next week, I should be able to go live. Uh, I'll go live on Instagram and TikTok at the same time. Uh, so that should be fun. Hello, hello. Hi, uh, my name is Jaleen Perez, and I am going to be graduating this December um, at 2021. So my question is, because these past two years of undergrad, um, I've been really focusing on my grades, trying to survive my pre-med years with the really rigorous classes. I didn't do as much clinical experience like working, um, but I did volunteer and I, I did tutor. Um, and I, like those are the main components that I've been doing, um, but I haven't done that much clinical experience, but I yep. do hope that once I graduate this December, um, I'll actually have a job like as soon as I graduate and yep. I've been applying to drive. Um, so I want to know like how bad it, like, is it going to affect me, my application? I um, like when I apply in May, and I also want to mention that when I graduated high school, I did um, a lot of doing Roman classes. Um, but it was also part of, like I was part of university, part of college, a part of high school. Yep. So during years, I did do clinical experience with the hospital um, every summer and in the spring semester as well. But will that will that actually count as clinical experience, or should I? I don't know. Like, I will have time to grab to get these clinical hours. You know, I'll be graduating. I'll be studying for my MCAT as well. Um, I registered for a like yesterday like i'm Good. gonna seek it in march you gave um you donated to me a hundred dollars like in the past so Woo-hoo. i used, I, I saved that money for my um for my registration so yeah so yeah i just wanted to know like am i going to be affected if i start my actual like hands-on a, a clinical yeah. experience Got it. when i graduate what what's the alternative um there's no alternative exactly. There, there's no well, alternative, right? You just, are you going to not apply to medical school? Cause you're like, well, I didn't get clinical experience soon enough. So I'm just not going to apply to medical school. Well, the thing is I have clinical experience. Um, like I've done volunteering at a clinic, but it's not paid. Like it's supposed to be paid. Paid volunteer does not matter. Clinical experience okay. doesn't matter. One type of clinical experience is not better than another paid versus volunteer. Okay. So if you've been volunteering at a clinic, that doesn't necessarily mean it's clinical experience. It depends on what you're doing. Um, but if you've been volunteering, getting clinical experience, that 1000% counts. Post, okay. post high school graduation. So you mentioned your dual enrollment stuff earlier. That typically mm-hmm. wouldn't count because that's still in high school, even though you were taking courses at a at community college or four-year university, whatever. Um, Anything, anything pre high school graduation typically wouldn't count. It's just that it's like this general rule of thumb that you just don't put anything high school wise on your application. When it comes to clinical experience, anything. Okay, so what about if I took like English classes or math classes? Well, that those yeah. are college credits. So I'm talking about activities. Okay, I see. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Gray. You're welcome. So. To, to, to conclude this, right, to, to really give you the final thing, is you don't have an alternative. It is what it mm-hmm. is. You've done what you've done. You've focused in on areas that you focused in on, doing tutoring and other stuff that is non-clinical. And you may be questioned about, well, why weren't you doing clinical things? Why were you tutoring? Because if, mm-hmm. you, if you're saying you have enough time to tutor, why weren't you getting clinical? And we've had this pandemic the last 18 months, 19 months. uh, And a lot of people haven't been able to get clinical experiences. And so that may be a silver lining for you to go, 
well, I just <laughs> it wasn't available with with COVID. Um, obviously, you don't want to lie and say that if it's not if that's not the truth, and you were just focused on grades or whatever else. Uh, but there is no alternative. Okay. So I wouldn't worry about it. I have one more question. Yeah. Um, I have. Are you going to be doing more like pre med parent workshops? Because like my dad, um, he's me- he was born in Mexico, right? So yeah. um, he doesn't have experience with um actually the college life or going into medical school. So yesterday he was kind of like getting mad because I was telling him that I'll be taking like a year and a half before I start medical school if, like, with yeah. God's will, everything. Will. And he was so confused and saying, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> so college, like back in high school. So if there is going to be a pre-med parent workshop, please let me know. Also, yeah. like if there's also do it in Spanish or a different language. Yeah. Like, so, also- so Verinia, who ran the workshop, she she's a, a native Spanish speaker. So she 1000% okay. can, can uh, she's from the Dominican or family's from the Dominican. Um, she mm-hmm. 1000% can can answer questions in Spanish if, if someone is is asking questions in Spanish. So that's not an issue. But yeah, we, we talked about it and and we're going to try to put together a, a Spanish only workshop for, for those parents. But uh, that workshop is still available if you go to map.com slash parent um, so that he can watch it and, and uh, get an idea of what's going on. Uh, but it, it is in English. That one is. Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Green. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I wonder, um, we definitely can go get it um, subtitled in Spanish for closed captioning. Do you think that would help? Yes, it will. Tremendously help. We'll we'll definitely do that then. All right. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. I have a project coming out at some point. Uh, um, We're we're waiting. I I should send an email. Uh, I've recorded like 25 or 26 episodes of a Spanish for pre-meds podcast where I am the student learning Spanish. Uh, I, I took five years of Spanish uh, back in like middle school, high school. So I I understand a lot of Spanish still. I don't speak it as well, like very common, right? Uh, but I partnered with a professor at Virginia Tech who teaches Spanish for medical professionals. And so we have... Uh, recorded a bunch of podcasts. Uh, we brought on some special guests to talk more about some cultural stuff as well. Um, and we're having it converted into a book right now as well. So to help all of you non-Spanish speakers to hopefully give you a little bit of a foundation of, of some Spanish as well. All right, all right, all right. Lots of awesome people coming on. Hello. Hi, Dr. Greg. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, awesome. Sorry, I'm in my library, so I'm trying to be a little quiet. But <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so I just had, I think I have two questions, but maybe, I don't know if there will be more that come up. But okay. um, I mainly, so just to give like background info, I'm a junior undergrad, so not really uh, planning on like MCAT, maybe into like 2023, 2024. Uh, but I mainly had a question just about... Um, like clinical slash volunteering, just because I know that's been like so out of whack um, because of COVID. Yep. Um, I had something kind of lined up the like uh, when I came back for winter break uh, back home uh, for a volunteering experience, but obviously then COVID happened in March and that just didn't happen. Um, and so on campus, I had a volunteering experience, but um, I haven't really been 
very adamant of going just because because it's like one of the only hospitals in the city that like accepts volunteers. There's so many people and there's only one department open. Um, so it's restocking PPE. And when I go, there's never anything to do. Um, and I'm just worried just because like, I want to have meaningful like volunteering experiences and not just do anything. That's what I've been doing, but I've been, (laughs) feeling guilty about it because I think, you know, like in a pre-med mindset that I want to, you know, have this as like something that I want to commit to and I want to like it, but it's hard to do something when it's like, you just, you, there's nothing to do. Yeah. It's, it's not a good experience for you. It's not clinical experience. You're not happy doing it. Then don't do it and go find something else to spend your time doing. Yeah. In the summer I'm planning on uh, taking a CNA uh, training course to hopefully become a CNA. And I'm hoping that that is like a better experience for me. So like, Great. if I were to do that, hypothetically, would I like need to try to do volunteering as well? Cause I don't see well, volunteer it, like, and paid does not matter, right? Volunteer okay. paid. So if you're being paid as a CNA, it doesn't matter that you're not okay. volunteering to get clinical experience. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. That's awesome. Um, I think I had another question, but I can't remember. Um, I'm sorry, I feel a little starstruck right now. Sorry <laughs> about that. But it's just um, me. It's just no, me. yeah, <laughs> no, yeah. But I think other than that, um, or oh yeah, actually, I did have one question. So yeah. um, next this coming semester um, for spring 2022, I um, am going to study abroad, and I'm really excited about that. Okay. Um, but I am a little worried, like kind of looking beyond after I graduate from undergrad, how that might look like on a transcript, just because I am planning on taking, um, OCHEM, uh, but I usually tend to take like two to three science courses like per semester. And I'll be kind of like downgrading this semester, um, in junior year, you know, that's kind of like, you know, close senior year, close to like end of graduation. So I'm just wondering like how that would, look like um when i'm starting to apply to medical schools or like if i should be worried about that at all what what's the concern i'm just concerned of like from a medical school admissions perspective if it looks like i'm just kind of taking a break or i'm trying to just like because you won't have the clinical experience there just because your your courses are a little bit lighter because you're doing the travel abroad Mm -hmm. it is what it is if that's what you want to do go do it okay just because I, I feel like I should worry about it, but I also like... <laughs> Pre-meds feel like they should worry about everything. <laughs> yeah. And that's just not that the case, true. right? If that's what you want to do, go go do it. And and the experiences that you'll have will will be wonderful and you'll be able to write about them and talk about them and, and you'll be fine. Okay. Okay, I think that's all my questions, but thank you so much. Have a great rest of your life. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's get uh, Rachel back on who was... With us when everything crashed, go live your life, says Erica. Exactly. Hello, hello. How are you? I am wonderful. Apparently, Instagram did not like us being together here. So, yeah, I was like, oh no, did I like walk (laughs) off? I actually just left or like Zoom left an interview, and I actually have a question that popped up in my head. Um, sometimes at the end, they like to ask, like, 
do you have any questions for me? Yep. Sometimes I like have a specific set of questions to ask. Is it wrong to ask like, is it a red flag if you ask about like mental health services or ask about like, what does the school do? Like if a student does fail, does that like, I don't know, <laughs> is that wrong? Like, um, I, I wouldn't say it's wrong, right? But unfortunately, human nature is... Like, why are you asking that? Are you concerned about that? Are you worried you're going to fail? Like, And we want confident people, right? Yeah. And so I, I wouldn't say it's wrong. I probably wouldn't recommend it. Okay. For one other specific reason. The interviewers very likely don't have any idea what those policies are, what those resources are. You have to remember, all of you have to remember that the people doing interviews, the interviewers at medical schools, are a broad swath of that community there. They could be lawyers in the community, nurses in the community, doing medical school interviews. They could be faculty members, instructors, professors at the uh, institution. They could be physicians who work at the hospital um, as as part of the faculty of the medical school, but they're not ingrained, they're not entrenched into the medical school curriculum and all of the resources, all that stuff. So as just general advice, I don't recommend asking very specific questions to interviewers. I like asking opinion-based questions. Like, what's your favorite thing about the school that nobody knows about, right? It, it helps you understand the school. It is an opinion-based question that anyone should be able to answer. It's kind of talking about themselves, which is always a, a kind of a general um, piece of advice when, when uh, for, for interviews and asking questions. So I, I think there are lots of opportunities to ask questions that um, don't have to get super nitty-gritty specific where the interviewer is just like, I don't know. Okay. And... Um, with Zoom, so I know that Zoom can be unforgiving sometimes. Uh, one of my first interviews, I think like the first 10 minutes was like Zoom problems. <laughs> uh, is it okay to email and like, I don't know, ask for like, I don't know. A redo? <laughs> yeah, for a redo. It's only supposed to be like 30 minutes. So I'm like, 10 minutes is lost because it's shut down like five times. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Was it, um, was it on your side? It was on both sides. Oh, wow. So at first, and then two minutes later, we were on, and then the whole interview shut down because the interviewer's computer shut down. And so I was, I was yeah. like, oh, no, this would be my luck. But yeah. I, I, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't stress about it. Uh, I know you're stressed about it. <laughs> um, but that that's the world we live in right now, right? In, yeah. this, in this kind of telecommuting, telework, telemedicine world. People have tech issues. And and honestly, your reaction to that situation likely told the interviewer a lot, right? Were, were you cussing behind the scene and they heard you uh, and whatever, right? Or were you sweating and nervous and anxious? Or were you like, oh, that sucks. Let's, let's keep talking. Right? That alone is a part of the interview process now. Okay, cool. All right. I think those are all questions for all today. Right. Well, congrats on the interview. Fingers crossed. Thanks. Thanks so much. Have You're a good one. You're welcome. You too. Uh, it's October 15th. For all of you who don't know, October 15th for the AAMC traffic rules means 
MD medical schools outside of early decision can start telling students their acceptance, their their uh, their status when it comes to uh, their decisions for for their uh, admittance to medical school. So, fingers crossed. Con- congratulations to all of you getting those acceptances today and in the near future. And if it's not you, like it was me the first time I applied to medical school, it's not the end. It's just a not now. So good luck. Fingers crossed. Thank you all for being here and coming on and asking wonderful questions. I'll see you next Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern again. Bye. All right. There you have it. It's our IG Live. Before we end, I want to talk about the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT. If you haven't heard, Blueprint has launched their brand new spaced repetition platform with over 1,600 MCAT flashcards expertly crafted by them, not some random person on the internet where you're downloading from some site where you might catch a computer virus. Again, that's MCATflashcards.com for Blueprint's brand new spaced repetition platform with over 1,600 expertly crafted flashcards already created for you to start learning today. Thanks for the... uh, the MCAT Minutes brought to you by Blueprint MCAT for that. I hope you have a great week. Don't forget to go check out medicalschoolhq.net slash apply to apply to be a guest on one of our series. And we'll talk to you soon. This is MedEd Media.